A lot of people don't want to hear the ugliness of fashion because they kind of contradict each other. You're listening to episode number 60 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes are released only on Self-Care Sundays, and today's episode is another installment in the Fashion Sustainability series. So if you've listened to the last few episodes, you know that for Fashion Month this year, I've been interviewing independent designers all about sustainability and what that word actually means in the fashion industry and as entrepreneurs. And so today's episode, I'm talking with Tina Trippiano, who is a fashion designer based out of New York City. She moved to New York about 10 years ago to study at Parsons New School of Design, and she has been a fashion professional ever since working in the industry and most recently having launched her own label. I saw Tina's show last week while I was in New York for Fashion Week. Uh, She showed at the Impact Fashion Week, and it was one of my favorite shows because Impact is a platform for small designers basically celebrating sustainability in the fashion industry. And so it was really cool to just see so many people very conscious about how important sustainability is and even more so becoming in the next few years um, versus just going to a traditional fashion show where that's not even a conversation or a topic on mind. So I really, really, really loved going to Impact. It was my favorite show while I was there. And I met Tina afterwards and we had this conversation, not recorded. We just like kind of chatted and got to know each other. And she's super interesting, just her journey in the fashion world. She's been working in this industry for 10 years, um, most recently launched her label, like I said, and has some really good insights into the industry. So if you've ever wondered what it takes to make it in New York in fashion, um, we're going to pull back the curtains on what this industry is really like and dig deep into what sustainability means, not only in terms of sustainable fabrics and the processes of making the clothing, but also self-care as sustainability for entrepreneurs and for the designers, um, which is a topic that I'm really passionate about because, as we all know, the fashion industry is very notorious for making people's mental health worse. But when you add in the pressures of being a young person of being an entrepreneur, somebody trying to start a business. There's so many financial stresses, mental stresses, and self-care is just like that really, really important topic that is kind of seen as trendy now, but there really is depth to it, I think, in terms of the value that it has for designers and people trying to make it in any very competitive industry. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Tina. start with your background where are you from where did you grow up and how did you get into the fashion industry in the first place sure um I'm originally from New Orleans Louisiana and I've always been really into art like I've been drawing ever since I was young I was in oil I took oil painting classes when I was six and I was just always really into art my whole family was like in the medical field and I didn't really know how I was going to have a successful career being an artist so I, when I went to Louisiana State University, I was looking for something that would just mix art and business. And I just found that fashion really is that perfect combination of business and art. But living in Louisiana, there was not really any opportunities um, to 
for fashion design or anything in the industry, really. And so I knew that I was going to have to leave home. So about 10 years ago, I moved to New York and I actually went to Parsons. I was like, I'm going to have to try this again to get my foot in the door. So I actually went to Parsons, a new school for design, studied fashion design a second time in order to get um, into the New York fashion industry. And um, I landed my first job as an assistant pattern maker. And the rest is kind of history. I just fell in love with the whole art of making clothing. I've always worked behind the scenes in fashion, and I'm really in love with that whole process. And um, so I really work behind the scenes. But now starting the label, you know, you saw my show. You know, now I'm trying to change course a little bit and kind of create my own vision. Um being a designer and not behind the scenes anymore. So cool. Okay. So I actually want to backtrack and talk about Parsons because this is something that not a lot of people know about me, but I actually got accepted to do my master's in fashion at Parsons. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't go because it was super expensive and because I just like had other opportunities come up, but it was kind of always like that dream vision of mine to move yes. from a small town in Canada, go to Parsons, <laughs> like study fashion in the big city. And it was just kind of always this vision that I never got to have fulfilled. But I'm so curious what your experience at Parsons was like. And is it like the end all be all fashion school that everyone kind of thinks it is? <laughs> that is actually a wonderful question. Um, it's funny because I have a mixed um kind of response to this. So looking back at my career and where I've come, I'm not sure if I would have been able to get my foot in the door of the New York fashion industry if I would not have gone to Parsons. But what I do tell people now is, um, because I am in grad school myself now, I briefly told you that. Um, When I was at Parsons, they didn't have the, the master's in fashion program was literally created the minute I graduated. Um, with my associates in fashion design. And I really wanted a master's, but at the time that wasn't an option. And um, I am still paying <laughs> for this accelerated program. I Because I had the bachelor's already in fashion, was able to do this accelerated program. And the cost, I mean, it was just unreal for a year. I'm mm-hmm. still paying for a year because I was able to do two years in one. And um, we're talking one year, $50,000. So, um, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And, you know, I'm nowhere near making a dent in that, you know, in the industry, it's hard because it takes you a while to get your foot in the door, even with Parsons on your resume. And it takes even longer than that once you're in the industry to make a you know, a living where you can even begin to pay that. So I do have mixed feelings. I was very grateful for the opportunity. It was a very conceptual design school, which was something that was very beneficial to me because my background was more technical. And, you know, being a pattern maker and just loving the construction and the technicalities of making clothes, sometimes it's hard to switch gears between the creative and the technical. And so I really appreciated just how conceptual Parsons was. It really pushes that. It's really an art school. And it's in, you know, you're you're just submerged in that New York fashion culture and, you know, the art and, and inspiration is just everywhere. So, I mean, I do really appreciate that for that. But I'm a very practical person and I tend to advise people nowadays to not go that route. I'm not sure. So I am torn. It's a bit of a mixed bag because even though I appreciate my journey so much and I'm glad I did what I had to do, um, the amount of money 
it cost, you know, and the way the industry is, I'm not sure. It's really expensive. And I know that knowing what I know now, I could advise younger people wanting to get in the foot, their foot in the door to maybe, you know, if you do an internship, yeah, maybe it's barely paid or not paid, but at least you're not accruing lifelong debt. You know, there's many other ways to, you could apprentice. There's ways to get in. Like now that I know, you know, hindsight's 2020. You know, I'm saying this now because I already did it. But um, I think, and that is one of my goals to really help younger people trying to get in the industry, like help them get their foot in the door. And I'm, you know, it's not the best to, you know, set yourself up for lifelong debt to get your foot in the door. So, you know, I would probably like advise many other ways. I'm happy I went. I needed the conceptual side of things, you know, to answer your question. I'm, I don't have regrets, but I think I'm smarter now financially and just knowing how the industry works and sustainability on that broader, broader scale. I'm not sure if I would advise everyone to do it. I want to talk about your first job after Parsons and how did you go from being a grad or a student that had graduated from Parsons to working in the industry, which was then going to like catapult to the next mm-hmm. thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Like what yes. was that first thing that you got? So that was definitely an interesting time. I also would like to say that when I graduated was during the recession. So 2008, um, there was no jobs for anyone, um, let alone in a very competitive, small industry like fashion, which pretty much only exists in six mile radius, less than that in Manhattan and then in Los Angeles. So it's very, very small. Um, that's why, you know, people are able to charge these large amounts for Parsons and stuff like that, because everybody wants to get in, but it's a lot of space is limited. So when I graduated, my mom was like, find a job. We have to move home. And I was joking with you that I'd rather be homeless in New York than move back home. Um, <laughs> so I was looking for jobs. And the funny thing is that I graduated in um, fashion design. You know, a lot of people get confused because I'm a technical designer, pattern maker now. And I graduated in design. And that's always people always ask how I got started. Um, like everyone else, I wanted to be a designer. So I was an assistant designer. And um, the first company... I found this little assistant design gig and within a month, the guy decided he didn't want an assistant designer and let me go. Um, literally within a month. Well, let me backtrack just a little bit. I did do countless, um, internships in my time in school. And I also mentioned to you that these were not paid. Now there's more laws and people do make some money, but during my time, you did not get paid at all. So I did do internships, but the interesting thing, about internships and jobs in the industry, getting your first job is they want experience and they don't count internships as experience. So this might be a little like not, (laughs) not orthodox, but I had a lot of good internships and I made a lot of good like relationships that they allowed me to say that I was actually employed, if that makes sense. I I try to tell people this. I don't like saying this because I don't want to just like inspire people to lie. But um, it's really hard to prove that you have experience. So with all internships and people don't count those internships. Um, So I was able to some that were really, really long in time span, they were like, you know what, you can go ahead and say 
that you like really worked here. So I was lucky in that aspect. And um, I always believe, I do not believe in burning bridges. I believe in, you know, this industry is very small and you never know. So I always, you know, try to make really lasting um, impressions on the people that I interned with and worked for. So when that first design job, I got found, they let me go within a month. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, and I found um, an assistant pattern maker position. And I, when you're a pattern maker, you have to test out. So every job you go to, you have to do a tryout. And um, I totally failed the tryout, like completely. I don't know why this woman hired me. Honestly, I don't. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious, the fact that she hired me. And it was a part-time job. It was only 15 an hour. Um, I had to work another job at night. I mean, it was crazy, but this was the real thing. This is what got my foot in the door. And because it was a super small company, I got to do everything from merchandising to sales, to designing, to pattern making. I, I got to do it all. And and then I was really able to market myself. It. I guess to answer your question, it's really about marketing yourself because, like I said, these jobs want to see real experience. And if you just say, I was an intern for six months at so-and-so, they're going to like brush over you. Like you really have to sell yourself and sell, you know, what you were doing there. So one of my first jobs, I mean, I really was doing a lot. It's not that I'm lying, but I think sometimes people don't know how to sell themselves. So I was able to really show and write that, you know, what I was doing in a very, um, almost managerial way. And I was there many years. It took me three years to get the second job. I always tell people that the first job is the hardest to get. The second job is hard to get too. But after that, then you're like golden. Then the jobs are easy to get because everyone wants to see at least, um, two years actual working experience in the industry. And once you have that, then you pretty much are good to go. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think you're totally right. Like being able to sell yourself doesn't mean necessarily lying right. about things, <laughs> but just like talking about yourself and your experiences in different ways, right. and, like being creative with how you do that, right? Because exactly. you oftentimes are doing so much when you're in these internships. But if you just say, oh, I did an internship, it doesn't mean as much as, oh, I was managing their social media accounts. Right. I was doing X, Y, and Z, you know, like actually saying specifically what it is and tailoring it to whatever it is you're trying to get. It's very important. And I actually also like, I, it's something else I love to help people with is their resume building. Like I might have 20 companies, but guess what? When I apply for this job, I'm editing that out. Like it's, it's really is, you know, just how you edit your Instagram page. Like everything has to be geared towards you know, that company you're going to and, you know, collect your experiences, but then really curate it for each, um, for each company that you're going for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after that, like you've been working in the industry for a while, what made you want to branch off and start your own label? <laughs> it's kind of funny, like frustration, <laughs> um, which only caused more frustration in the end. But, um, you know, I was speaking to you kind of jokingly. I mean, I'm so grateful for the opportunities I had in this industry, working for such big brands, whether it was for a week or years. I mean, I just get a thrill for being, saying that I've been a part of some of these um, fashion houses. But um, being in the technical side, being responsible for the engineering and the creating of these designers' um, 
clothes, designs, what have you, I, you just see so much. You just see the people that are like toiling over their machines, you know, all night long. You just see the hard work. And then you see what seems like the designer not really appreciating that. And, um, like I've, I've joked about the abuse, the bullying, um, just like a lack of understanding of what goes into making the clothes that really inspire me to want to have a clothing label so that I can finally be the face of a label that, you know, wants to have this company that not only designs and makes beautiful clothing, but like empowers and um, the people that work for it. And um, also oddly too, because I don't know what it is, but many designers I work for, like they always kind of make fun of my style. <laughs> I don't know why. And so I'm just like, you know what, it's, it's time for me to just have my own vision out there. You know, it kind of, I, it's odd to say, but I'm like more, mo I'm motivated by these, you know, weird interactions with other designers that I'm like, well, if you can do this, I'm basically running your company for you. So like, <laughs> and you're giving me a hard time. Like I need to go off and do this to myself for myself, you know? So that's kind of the impetus. <laughs> and I know it sounds weird, but I'm often inspired by, by other people and wanting to do what they do better. So, I mean, you are in the heart of the fashion industry. Like New York City is like one of the fashion cities. Is it as bad as everyone says? Like, is it like in the movies that <sighs> it's, I just think of like the Devil Wears Prada. Oh my right? God, it was Where on last night. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I love that Where they're just like so brutal to their employees. Like, have you had those experiences or do you think that the industry is getting better? You know, it's a mixed bag. It's 50-50. There is 100% experiences like the Devil Wears Prada. It is so true. It, it's 100% true. I mean, there are people, I find it depends on the clothing. So for example, like if this is very high-end couture, you know, I, I don't want to, I feel bad like naming names. I don't really want to say names, but I've been in houses like Oscar. <laughs> you know, I don't want people to hear this and like hear me. I don't want to do that because I love my industry. But, you know, I've been in the halls of Oscar de la Renta and Naeem Khan. And like, I've worked my way from very like high-end couture all the way down to, you know, cheap, fast fashion, um, mass produced swimsuits. So like, I've kind of seen the whole spectrum. I will say the drama is different. It exists on both sides, but it's different. I would say the more high end, you know, like the real couture, they're more like the Devil Wears Prada. They're more like, you know, interns working for free for years um, because the name is so prestigious, you know, making you work till three in the morning for before fashion um, week. Um, just grueling, grueling. Um yeah, there's, there's bullying and it's just, it's crazy. It really is crazy. And I'm sure it exists in every industry, but I don't know, maybe because fashion is not like science. I don't know. Or like law. <laughs> it's a little, it, it breeds a little more pettiness and drama, you know, because it's an art form in a sense. I think it just creates a lot of drama. So yes, I have definitely experienced some Devil Wears Prada type experiences. And then as I've gotten to more like mass production, it's a little more corporate, a little more laid back because most things are done overseas. So um, besides your basic like interpersonal, just office issues, it's way more chill. But yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Also depending on your level. So when I was, you know, just trying to get my foot in the door and assistant level, 
you really dealt with all that, that just abuse. But now that I'm senior level, it's kind of like you need me more than I need you. <laughs> so um, you can squash that pretty well or just leave. So, yeah, you know, it kind of depends on your level and what garment category you're in. Like if you're in couture or like more ready to wear mass production. And when we were talking in New York, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was you were talking about how that is kind of a big inspiration behind the way that you are running your label now. Mm -hmm. So will you talk about that and kind of what, I guess, what got you interested in quote unquote sustainability, but on that like employee side? Right. So I was telling you sustainability to me, it's, it's kind of a word that irritates me. I told you that I'm in grad school and this is like something I write about all the time, like ethics versus sustainability. And can you really be sustainable if you're not ethical? And if you're not ethical, are you sustainable on that side of when it comes to self-care and, you know, caring for people that work for you? And so that's something that really inspires me. And sometimes it bums me out because when I'm creating my label, I really want my clothing to be sustainable, meaning I want my fabrics and what I create to really not harm the earth. But if you really delve into that science and know it's kind of, it's just not hundred percent possible right now, but we're all trying. I mean, there's many designers trying. And I think that as long as you continuously move in that direction, that's just important. But something that I can affect now is how we treat people. Um, Mara Hoffman, I worked for her. Sorry, not trying to drop a lot of names, but she's someone who really cares about sustainability and when I was working there, we watched this documentary about the um, Rana Plaza collapse in Bangladesh. And from that moment on, it just really changed me. I mean, I couldn't even walk. I have not walked into an H&M since then. I mean, I'm not going to say like I'm some martyr here. Like I still shop at Zara and like Urban and I'm not like an angel here, but I have definitely changed my shopping habits after watching that, knowing that fast fashion labels like H&M literally did not care that the people sewing their clothes, not even making a minimum wage, a livable wage were also in danger. Um, thousands of people died that day in that factory in Bangladesh. So that's just something that I can't make these beautiful clothes. Like I can't live and know that I'm making beautiful clothes and know that someone who made the clothes was like abused or a slave or just not well taken care of. So that really is my passion when it comes, like why should an art like have this ugly, you know, behind the scenes. So that really is like a passion of mine and my inspiration. So with my label, um, even though I intend to be fully sustainable environmentally wise, um, my goal right now is ethical production. So right now everything is made in the U S and, you know, I know firsthand who's sewing the clothes and I'm just like very conscious of that, that production process. You you end up paying a little more for that, but I just can't sleep at night <laughs> thinking that my clothes are made, you know, in an unethical way, which to me is not sustainable. So that's really where where I'm coming from. And then the other side of that, which we also talked about, I mean, sustainability, as you said, is such a vague so term, vague. but 
there's also like at the root definition basically means to be maintained, Mm -hmm. right? And so applying sustainability to the individual designers themselves. And this was a conversation we had saying, how great is it if the clothing is organic and everybody's paid well, except for the designer making it? (laughs) Right. Yes. No, you really, you, that really affected me when you brought that up because I don't know why I had think I guess I was thinking about it, but I hadn't articulated it because interestingly enough, um, when I began this journey, um, it's been very humbling because I felt like, okay, I've worked in this industry for over a decade now. I see what every designer does wrong. I'm inspired to do it better. And then here I go starting a label thinking, you know, if I build it, they will come and it's going to be this like easy thing because I know what I'm doing, you know? And it was a huge wake up call because one, yes, I know how to make clothes. I know how to get clothes made. I know how to design clothes. I know about fabrication, everything. I know about fit, but I'm not a marketing major. I didn't, you know, I didn't study business. And yes, some things in business are common sense, but there's still an art to business. And there, you know, I really believe in hiring professionals for everything. Like, And so I had the rude awakening is there's all these um, companies out there now, like trying to prey on emerging designers, you know, offering big ads in their magazines and and different things and charging like huge prices, um, even some showcases. And, you know, I kind of got sucked into that and it ended up like, like totally getting in debt. I mean, just spending money that I could have been spending on the clothes and getting the clothes made and just getting to the point where it wasn't fun anymore and feeling now that I'm so stressed about this debt where this was supposed to be like a creative outlet for me and something enjoyable. And, you know, I spoke about sustainability, with the finances, I mean, when you, when you're spending your last dollar, like on your dream, it just, it's just not good for your health mentally, (laughs) physically. Um, so I've really had to take a step back. That's why I really like that you had brought that up because I've recently realized, you know what, like I care about my future, you know, and I care about my financial success and I don't want to, um, you know, hinder that because of a a fashion label. So I've really kind of pulled back and I want to do more of almost like a grassroots type thing. Like I really want to be more into the networking and just slowly building something I'm proud of that I'm not, you know, that I'm proud to put out there and not trying to rush and keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. I think because I knew so much about the industry, like I just like started out real fast thinking I was going to keep up with all these other designers who have like millions of dollars in, in marketing and, you know, backing Mm -hmm. and investors. And I was like trying to compete with them. And that was just a huge, huge wake up column on my part. So that's why I really liked what you said. It kind of made me feel better about the revelation that I had and understanding that, you know, it's not sustainable what I'm doing. So how can I do what I love in a sustainable way, not just with the people making the clothes, not just the fabrication, but for my own sanity, basically, and wallet. (laughs) And I think that's something, because I've had these conversations now a few times with different designers. I think this is the fourth one in the series. Um, And this recurring theme is kind of the entrepreneurial side of it, which is that it is incredibly trying on your mental health and financially very trying as well, which just makes it 
even more emotionally harder. (laughs) Like the finances play into the mental piece and then the mental piece kind of like eats at you. I think it was interesting when you brought up kind of having these different opportunities from companies that want to make money from you, because that's something I haven't talked about before. And I think it, this kind of happens in different industries as well, not just in the fashion industry, but for, for like all entrepreneurs or startup businesses, you want to have, you want to get in as, get in as much press as possible. You want to have as many opportunities as possible, partnerships, whatever. How do you determine what is legit and what isn't? And is it just a matter of trying to say yes to as much as you can and then seeing what plays out? Like, what was that process like for you? Okay. So yeah, that's, this is what happened to me most recently and why I've had to like kind of switch gears because you want so many opportunities to get out there. You know, you're kind of vulnerable um, to these companies. I have to, ever since I like, well, my first photo shoot was just a wash because I was like trying to save money. Right. So it just wasn't professional. So I realized, okay, now the money needs to be spent on the photos. I'm making beautiful clothes. We have to have good content to put out there. So that that's where I spent the money and it was worth it. And so because of that now, I mean, I get so many emails. I can't tell you how many emails a day I'm getting for these um, quote unquote opportunities for emerging designers and for, you know, early entrepreneurs. And sometimes when it's a big name, like Vogue, for example, um, you feel like you cannot turn it down. Like you just, I mean, you will find every last dollar and it's, it's hard. So I, there was a, there was a few things where I overextended myself. One was a show. Um, you know how they do in New York? They do them all over. These market shows where um, companies bring their clothing for buyers to shop. So I thought this was going to, I really wanted to be in stores. And I thought this was going to be such an amazing opportunity. But the price tag to, to show was like $4,000. I mean, <laughs> It was crazy. <laughs> and I was going to say, it's funny because I also have some friends that have done trade shows that it's like $10,000, yes. you know, like anywhere, like the range is so intense and you go with the intention of, well, if I make a few wholesale accounts, this is all paid back and it doesn't matter. It's like worth it. Right. Right. So sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Yeah. Right. No, no. I'm glad. I'm glad you did. Um, yes. Yeah, so the trade shows, it's, it's just interesting. It's to answer, I'm trying to answer your question on like, you know, how can you make good choices? And I just think it depends on each person. Like someone might not think 4,000 is a lot. Okay. But I'm still got to remember, I'm still paying back Parsons student loans. <laughs> you know, I have a home, a mortgage, like, you know, there's, there's, I do make a good living, but it's like, you know, there's life cost here. And when you're starting a fashion label from scratch, there's just fashion is one of the most labor intensive um, businesses to start. It's also the most cost um, intensive because of how much goes into making the clothes in advertising the clothes. I mean, it's it's a very like if this is like you should you'd be better off starting a cupcake business like clothing just takes like a lot of money. So for you to have already spent all the money, you know, on making the clothes producing the clothes, taking the photos. And then for these people to come around and be like, you're going to make so many sales, you know, it's $4,000 for a little three by two, like cubicle. Okay. 
And when I tell you, like, no one came up to my booth and it was devastating because now you're thinking you're doubting your creativity, you're doubting your design ability, you're, you're doubting all these things on, and on top of the doubt and what it did to your emotional and mental, you're now, you now came up, you, you now spent money that you really didn't have. Right. And it's just, you keep taking these opportunities and they keep not working. And so now you're like, you've extended yourself. You don't even have money to create even more because you've put this money in here. For me, you have to really know like what your end goal is. And I think that the showcase was just, the timing was not right. I, I It also is about timing. Like I think you need at least five seasons under your belt before you start making those types of investments. Also something to keep in mind. And I think um, fashion entrepreneurs and designers who are just starting out need to remember that right now the industry is changing. So retail is changing. Um, People don't come to these shows anymore like they used to. You know, a lot of big department stores have been closing down. E-commerce is more of a thing, but people are shopping different. Like our markets are just changing. And I feel like it's a time to just really adjust and like pay attention before putting all your, your money into things. Even big show, like even big companies, because I also work for big labels, even though I do my own. And even they tell me that these shows are not what they used to. But the people trying to get you in the shows are still doing whatever they can to get you to spend the money. So you feel a little preyed upon as a, you know, as an emerging designer. So that was one thing I did that I kind of wish I would not have done, at least not in my first season. That's I think it's, a you know, getting more seasons out there. And then another thing I did, like these magazines are like coming after you so hardcore. And it's funny because after I was in Vogue, I had so many people ask me, like they were getting preyed upon too. And they were like, should I do this? And I was actually telling them not to. I mean, you know, it really, it's, it's about what you're, what the money you have, you know? I mean, some people are starting labels and they have investors and they have rich husbands or, you know, maybe they don't have the Parsons debt. So I can't tell every, it's, it's based per person and your needs, but I just feel like people are out there really preying on these these emerging designers and you really do have to be cautious. And I guess the, my advice that I would give is just wait till you're at least five seasons in. That's what I would say. Yeah. I want to talk about the Vogue thing for a second because yeah. I think a lot of people that are not in the fashion industry or don't like work behind the scenes don't fully understand how something like this happens. Like when you see something in Vogue, it's not that everything that is in vogue is handpicked and they're interviewing people and it's free. Like a lot of it is ads, right? So can you explain that a little bit more for people? Yeah. I mean, that was humbling as well. I, like I said, these, some of these things, it's almost like I was a little embarrassed in a sense, because like I said, Hey, I've been in this industry for over a decade. Like I know the industry inside and out, but um, yes. So everything is ads. The majority of people believe that these big magazines like Vogue and stuff are just out there, you know, picking this great stuff, you know, and so it's an honor that they picked you. And I mean, it still is. I mean, you want press and you want to say you've been in these, these magazines and whatnot, but the truth is, and maybe I can't speak for like 20 years ago, because I know that I'm assuming the dynamics have changed with social media and stuff. So maybe there was a time where these editorials were more curated, but for the most part, it is designers paying 
to be in some way or another, they're paying to be in, um, in these publications. And now it seems that to make additional money, they're going after really small, small startups that maybe have a pretty Instagram, honestly, and, you know, offering, you know, selling up and offering this amazing opportunity, but the price is, is really high, is really high. So yeah, that's, that was another eye opener for me. And I even, because like I said, I always have one foot in my label and one foot in everybody else's because I am a fashion professional that works for lots of other brands. And I actually work for one of my clients in my pattern business. She used to be an editor and a senior editor at Elle. And then she started her own um, swim label. She, because she was the senior editor in Elle, she's magically getting all her pieces, you know, in these big editorials and these magazines. Now, I'm not sure if she's paying. She might be paying, but she also knows the people. So, you know, there's always that you either paid a, a lot of money or you knew someone, you know, it's not as innocent as people think, oh, someone found your designs. They think it's so pretty. Now we're going to like put it in the magazine. There's always strings attached. The behind the scenes of fashion is definitely, you know, obviously not as beautiful as what people see. But the funny thing is, I'm being, you know, I believe people tuning into your podcast obviously care a little more in depth about this stuff. But something I also learned is that when you talk to people that, you know, they're not interested in that, they don't want to hear it. <laughs> like, like nobody wants to hear the ugliness of fashion. Like they just, I can tell you people that don't even care about my career. Like when they saw that I'm in vogue, like now all of a sudden, like I'm just, the greatest thing ever. I know that sounds so silly and you know, we all deal with that on some level with social media, but it's just really funny. And if I ever tell people, like I even had to stop telling people I paid for it. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you even have to just, just go with it. You almost have to go with their delusion because it just like hurts their feelings. So, you know, I'm being honest and transparent here because I really want to like help other people trying to get their foot in the door and like, you know, who are starting up that might feel, you know, like they're beating themselves up for different things or they're feeling vulnerable or like embarrassed or whatever. And so that's why I'm being transparent. But the truth is I've had to stop telling people the truth. Nobody wants the truth. Fashion wasn't built on the truth. Let's be honest. Part of it is about, you know, enhancing and showing off and expressing our best selves. So a lot of people don't want to hear the ugliness of fashion because they kind of contradict each other. But yeah, it's definitely all strings attached all the time. So what are to end on like a higher note, what are some of the (laughs) what are some of the good things that have happened and that you see working in your business or like if there's things that you could give advice for uh, new entrepreneurs or young designers, like what are those positive things that you have seen really do help? Yeah. I, something I've had a revelation lately, obviously there's so many businesses and I can only speak to fashion. That's the only industry I know, you know, that's my art, that's my baby and my craft. You know, I, I never started a restaurant or anything like that. But what I've come to learn, at least in this field, is that most people starting um, a fashion label are doing this because they love fashion. 
it is a way for them to express themselves creatively. And, you know, they just love that art of making clothing. And if you get wrapped up in sales and, you know, you lose, if you lose yourself and you lose the creativity and it becomes not fun, it's really, I feel like this is a business where you've got to do it for the love and fun of it. So something that I am trying because I am not independently wealthy and have investors, something I'm trying to do is just really get back into the love of it, having fun, um, making content, collaborating with other, you know, influencers that may be newer as well. And, you know, kind of making this community of creators um, impact, you know, the Impact Fashion Week show was, was something like that, you know, coming together with people who are also kind of on my same page and, you know, who love to create and keeping that whole, like, just bringing it back to the love and the creativity. Because when you get so wrapped up in the numbers, it becomes like not fun. Now, granted, we all want to have labels to make money, but, you know, I just believe that eventually, you know, you'll hire someone to take care of that because a true designer, and I've worked for many designers where they're all into the fun of it. They hire those people to take care of the unfun stuff. So it's really about like balance. Um, that I really love the self-care and the sustainability of self because you're really going to, if you don't take care of yourself, then your creativity will just kind of be like squashed. So for me, it's like, get back to the love of it. Don't worry about the money and the sales in the beginning, because it'll just kind of like eat at you. Um, I would say be open to those opportunities that come your way, but maybe like, you know, write out a year budget of what you're going to really focus on so that you're not taking every email that comes to you that sounds good and kind of getting sucked in, like be very strategic about where you do put your money and just have like a lot of fun with it because that's why we're in fashion. Like we didn't want to be accountants or lawyers or <laughs> like, you know, we're in it for the love and the beauty and the creativity. So I think we have and focus on that and the community and not focus on the other stuff and just have fun with it.